Have you ever wondered what happens to warlocks that break their pact? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome back to the Game Masters Academy. This is the show where we strive to help you make every one of your sessions great. Thanks for joining me. My name is Greg. This week, I want to talk about warlocks that have lost their way and broken their pact. Uh, Specifically, a type of warlock that has done that uh, potentially falls into this weird realm. Most cases, they forfeit their lives and turn into death locks. And uh, in some rare cases, they turn into death lock whites. And so that's what we're going to look at for this week's Combat Corner. Before we get into that, a quick request from all of you. Please like, subscribe, follow everything that you can for uh, the video or the podcast, depending on how you're finding me uh, for the algorithm. I would greatly appreciate it if you would. Also, feel free to swing on through my Patreon and uh, we can take a look at uh, some of the world builder things that I have created with some homebrew monsters, that type of stuff. Uh, There is free content there as well that I will be utilizing in the future. Um, And so if that's something that you would choose to do, I would be honored. Uh, If not, I'm just happy that you're here as well. So with that all out of the way, let's get into this week's Combat Corner. We're gonna be looking at two undead monsters. We're gonna continue our undead theme And in this particular instance, we are going to be creating additional monster teams so that we can eventually compile all of them into a dungeon. Our dungeon is going to be an undead themed dungeon. And so these monster teams will be utilized to populate that dungeon. And we are going to be looking at doing this for a level uh, four uh, party. So whether that's going to be four level four characters or five or six anything along those lines that's up to you realistically speaking a dungeon is going to be about resource management so you're going to throw more combat encounters at the party than they are capable of handling without a long rest Uh, and so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we aren't making those combat encounters overly challenging Um, and so the four uh, CR is probably the, the spot you're aiming for, even if you've got six people. Uh, and just like I had mentioned in the dungeon creation episode, I like to put in, um, I would call them shrines, but I like to put in little things that if you do this, um, maybe there's a little riddle or something like that, you could potentially give the one individual the benefit of a long rest. Extremely powerful for like a wizard, who may have used a lot of their spells and then gets the opportunity to get them back. Uh, But the idea there is it helps mitigate the resource uh, fatigue that can occur within a dungeon. Uh, And so that's something, again, we've talked about that on the dungeon creation uh, episode, but just reminding you what it is that we're currently striving towards as we go through the undebbed-themed combat corner. So, like I had mentioned we are going to be looking at a Deathlock White. Uh, this is something that was in Mordekainen's. Uh, and so it is a white, just like we talked about before. Same CR, it's CR3. But instead of having 
uh, you know, decent armor uh, and being more of a melee combatant, uh, the Deathlock White is a spellcaster. And so uh, we're going to be looking at it and then I'll explain how this runs. This is not a typical combat. Uh, so your Deathlock White uh, armor class of 12, hit points of 37, nothing crazy. It does have damage resistances. Um, so it has BPS uh, damage resistance. So that 37 is potentially higher than that if any uh, of your melee characters in your party have not reached uh, the ability to get a magical weapon. It's immune to exhaustion and poison. It's also immune to uh, poison damage, like typical for an undead. Sunlight sensitivity, which isn't going to be an issue because this is going to be occurring within an old ancient crypt. So it does not matter that it is going to have disadvantage on sunlight. Unusual unusual nature uh, does not require air, food, drink, or sleep. Getting into actions. It has the same... Uh, life drain that the white had. It is a plus four to hit with 1d8 plus two. Has to do a DC 13 constitution saving throw or it takes a reduction to hit point maximum equal to the damage taken. And that lasts until there's a long rest, which again, if we talked about that shrine replenishing things, that's an opportunity there to, to undo that. And if the target dies through the hit point reduction, it is resurrected 24 hours later as a zombie under the Deathlock White's control. Uh, it also has the ability to cast, I shouldn't say cast, to use Grave Bolt, which is a ranged spell attack that does 2d8 plus 3 damage. And then it has some spells that it can cast. It can cast at will, detect magic, disguise self, and mage armor. And then once per day, it's able to cast fear and hold a person. So, Deathlocks are specifically the creation from breaking your pact with your otherworldly patron as a warlock. Uh, and so the Deathlock Whites just happen to linger in between the existence of a Deathlock and a White. So that's a little bit about the character as well as the creation behind it. Um, and then we need to give somebody, uh, I should say, give the Deathlock White somebody to fight with. And so we are going to be utilizing a secondary creature, and that is going to be a Dread Warrior. Uh, Dread Warriors come from Dead in Thay. Uh, that's the, the module that they come from. Uh, and this is going to be more of your frontline fighter type. Uh, armor class of 18, high strength. Uh, and then it's going to have undead fortitude like a zombie. So if you hit it, it uh, has to make a constitution save of 5 plus the damage taken. And then uh, if it succeeds, it drops to 1 hit point instead of 0, unless the damage is from a critical hit or radiant. And then it just makes two attacks. It's got a battle axe, does 1d8 plus 2, which is the way we, I would be using this. I would want to give him the shield so he has that 18 AC. Um, using uh, two hands and then getting one d10 for one more point of damage. One more point of damage on a average uh, just isn't worth it to me. And then also has a uh, javelin as a ranged attack. So you would have 
both of them. So you've got the dead war, uh, dread warrior, as well as the deathlock white. But it would not present itself in that way. And what I mean by that is the deathlock would, uh, at the beginning of the day, cast mage armor on itself to give itself that 15 armor class, and then it would then cast disguise self on itself uh, into whatever you think would yield the largest pull on the party to save this person, all right? And then the way that you introduce this whole thing is you have the Dread Warrior chase the Deathlock White, and the Deathlock White ends up running straight towards the party asking for help, looking like a human or an elf or whatever it is that it would potentially look like. And as it's running straight at the party, the party potentially tries to save it. And then while that's happening, the Deathlock White starts flinging some grave bolts at people uh, once it gets behind the enemy. Or I should say once it gets past like the frontline fighters and starts uh, flinging those grave bolts and life drain attacks. Um, makes everybody paranoid, which is probably what you want. And then... Next time someone just runs straight at the party screaming, they'll probably attack it, and then you have it be a normal person, and they just killed Sally for no reason. Um, so that's uh, the re realistically, this is kind of one of those uh, random encounters that you would occur uh, inside of a dungeon as you're running down a hallway, you just open the door inside of a room, whatever. But uh, I'm gonna have a uh, damsel in distress, not gender, but more of archetype, uh, come running towards the party, screaming bloody murder, asking for help and to be saved because it's got disguised self up. And then the dread warrior would be chasing it once it's made its way through the frontline fighters and is behind them, then it would start attacking the back line. And then, obviously, the Dread Warrior is going to be engaging those frontline fighters. Uh, the Dread Warrior does have a bonus to his uh, athletics. And so, potentially, even grappling, uh, with a plus four, uh, but potentially grappling those frontline fighters and preventing them from being able to move to the location that the uh, uh, Deathlight, Deathlock White is currently at. And before we have the thought process of these are basically undead, they can't think, uh, the Deathlock White has an intelligence of 12, and the Dread Warrior has an intelligence of 10. Both of them are capable of speaking common. Uh, so even if you just wanted to stick to exactly whatever it is that is in the stat block, that would still work. And if you're not like that and you, you know, increase intelligence or allow them plan or anything along those lines, then it's not something you have to worry about. But that's it. Uh, that's your encounter. Uh, it gives the opportunity for the party to have this moral dilemma as they try to decide whether or not they're going to just attack the individual running straight at them. Uh, and then once you've done this once, they'll probably catch on to the idea behind it. And so you need to very rarely do it again in the future. Uh, and so they it might be five levels before you attempt something similar to this at some point in the future. So 
that's going to be the combat encounter for the week. Uh, feel free to add that into your game. It doesn't obviously have to be in a dungeon. Uh, add it into the game. One thing, oh, I do want to uh, point out, when we're looking at the Deathlock White and we're looking at Disguise Self, Disguise Self is not creating total cover. All right, it is an illusion. And so uh, the idea behind this, most likely the characters would not have the reason to try to make an investigation check on this particular deathlock. But if for some reason, as soon as the party sees this whole thing happening, you have a paladin and they attempt to use divine sense, that divine sense would reveal that the damsel in distress archetype is actually an undead. So just point of mention, I guess, for the uh, the trick that we're trying to play here. So uh, that's it. I appreciate uh, each and every one of you. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your week. Find a way to uh, stick these two guys into your campaign somewhere. And as always, let's let the dice decide. <laughs>